0: My next guest is a household name in the world of houses, the original host of the PBS series This Old House. A home renovation guru has gone on to host a number of great shows. He's even played himself on the hit TV series Home Improvement. He's a fellow Play.It podcaster, an author of many books, Catch him Online, but today he's here with me on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Welcome, Bob Vila.
1: He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazelet.
0: I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success.
1: This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet.
0: Hey, Bob, so what are you up to these days? I mean, I've seen you on TV for years, tons of books. What, what's taking up your time these days?
1: Well, there are three basic things aside from family and fun. There are three basic things. Um, the main thing business-wise and media-wise is BobVilla.com, mm-hmm. which is what we kind of relaunched uh, five years ago now and it has grown uh, phenomenally. We've got uh, a a terrific audience, and we are a content site, so we're constantly creating new articles and new information. And then aside from that, I'm involved in some volunteer work. Um, my, um, My principal home is back in Florida, and I volunteer at the town level uh, I chair the uh, architectural commission for our town, and then outside of the the country, I've been involved in the restoration of Ernest Hemingway's home and collections uh, in Cuba, which oh. uh, it, 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 most people don't know. But my family background is Cuban. Yeah, you're from. You, I, always... I, I did read that in the background, and and I yeah, also read that people have always thought I was Italian, but uh, <laughs> that's not the case. A, yeah. Why would they think that? That's kind of interesting. Oh, people have even thought that I took the name Vila, which is Italian for, you know, fancy house. But no, we're uh, a Cuban family. My folks emigrated here uh, in the 1940s, uh-huh. and I was born in Florida. So anyway, uh, between the Architectural Commission, the work in, in Havana, it's all very satisfying stuff. Um, and uh, I've got, you know, probably another few years in those projects. Yeah. What, what did your mom and dad do? Well, my father was involved in uh, a life of military intelligence uh, going back to World War II. And my mother was, for the most part, a housewife. She lived to 95. She just passed away in January. Ah, wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but
0: but it's, I'm glad you had that many years with her. That's awesome to have that. What, yes. Uh, that I, 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 read, I read, Bob, that you guys actually built your family house. Is that right?
1: The house that I grew up in in yeah. Miami, my father built starting around 1944. uh, I mean, you know, concrete block structure. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, I think it took him about two or three years. I was born in 46, and I believe we moved into the house in 48. And it was a two-bedroom, one-bathroom bungalow uh, that expanded over the years uh, to become like a three-bedroom, two-bathroom. And there was a guest (laughs) cottage in the back. And uh, after uh, after the Castro Revolution... An uh, aunt and, and my uncle lived in the cottage in the back, and more and more of my relatives uh, came over and, and abandoned Cuba, uh, mm-hmm. so that most of them were gone. Uh, by the, I guess, two years ago, the, the last remaining relative passed away in Havana. She was my, my aunt, my father's baby sister.
0: Are you uh, planning, I, I mean, the fact that you're doing the Hemingway thing, I imagine you've had to been back. Are you, with the the recent announcements over this last year with normalizing relationships with Cuba, is that going to be yeah. a, a bigger and bigger, bigger thing for you?
1: It's a very good time for us. Our foundation is called the Finca Vigia Foundation, and uh, Finca, F-I-N-C-A, is farm, and Vigia, V-I-G-I-A, means lookout. And Hemingway bought this property in 1939 with proceeds of the, the movie rights for um at Home mm-hmm. and uh, he made it his home until you know he left, the, and then the next year he, he uh, committed suicide. Yeah. So the Hill Foundation is poised now to help uh, the museum with the construction of a conservation laboratory and an archival storage building. We've uh, never in the past, because of the embargo, been able to actually supply any material goods or funds of any sort, and now because of the changes that are taking place. We're able to raise money from other foundations, uh, and we're able to actually, in the case of this project, purchase all the necessary materials uh, over here in the States and put them in containers and bring them over there. And hopefully we're going to be able to do that in the next three, four months. So and what, hopefully by this time next year we'll have a completed structure. So what's been your
0: personal attachment to that? Why Why that connection to Hemingway?
1: It's a good question. Uh, I mean, after 59, uh, we certainly had no interest in going to, uh, visit, uh, you know, the, the communist regime mm-hmm. and the, the, the situation was dire and everybody was going away. And, um, I pretty much was raised an American kid, even though prior to 59, I had often visited Havana and had actually lived there for a couple of years. Um, It wasn't until about 10 years ago that a friend uh, who was very active in Catholic charities um, and who was also getting involved with this particular board said to me, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for you to go there with a mission um, and to, you know, see your family homes and just to see the country where your parents came from. And I decided she was right. Uh, So Caritas, Caritas, Juana, Catholic Charities for Cuba, does amazing work in terms of relief programs for the elderly, for babies. They run kindergarten programs. They have a special program in Havana for autistic children. And so one of my first trips was with them and helping to support them. But uh, it was through this connection that that I became aware uh, of the work that was being done by uh, the Finca Mejia Foundation. Uh, on Hemingway's uh, legacy, because it isn't just a house museum, it's also the place where he left behind his entire library, so which includes yeah. over 9,000 volumes and everything from first editions of his books in many, many different languages, all the translations, uh, his personal uh, library of military campaigns, which was one of his interests, his bullfighting posters, his World War One uniforms, everything is there, and everything was in... Real danger of being destroyed because the the house itself had suffered from hurricane damage and the Cubans did not have the wherewithal to put a new roof on it. Um, so it, it's been an ongoing battle to preserve all these uh, all these documents and all these papers. And uh, to this date, we we've helped them with all the conservation work and. Uh, you know, brought them uh, experts from uh, New England Paper Conservation uh, Group. And yet we've never been able to give them any kind of in-kind, you know, money, funds. We haven't been able to do that. So they would restore a book or a 100 books and then have to put them right back in a dangerous place Mm -hmm. where they weren't protected from the elements. And so the plan now with the archival storage is to make sure that the most important documents are in a
0: safe place wow so if i look at what you've done i mean and you've done a great deal in media in fact a lot of people would say mark burnett is the father of reality tv and i'd actually say it's you i mean you were doing reality tv before reality tv in terms of the home improvement shows that you that you you know started spawned and and spun off in a different way would you say that
1: uh there's a real argument to be made for, for that. Yes, it's it's uh, it's been said many times that we at this old house, in WGBH in Boston, uh, 30, gosh, what is it, 33 three yeah. years ago, 33 years ago, were the first to kind of put real-life people in front of cameras, whether it was the plumber or the carpenter or the real estate broker. Uh, we started off doing a show about, as the producer used to say, taking the mystery Out of remodeling a house and showing people what's behind the plaster, but we also uh, brought in as talent the real-life people that did this stuff for a living. Was it? Did
0: did some of those people reluctant? I would imagine some of those guys they don't like to be in the. You know, you got to put a makeup. Yeah, sometimes you even have to put makeup on them. I'm sure that some of the guys were going. (laughs) I'm not. You know, I'm not wearing any freaking makeup. You know.
1: (laughs) We we did not put makeup on anybody. (laughs) Oh, is that right? Um, Not not even Norm. Come on,
0: not even Norm. I mean.
1: No, certainly not, Norm. (laughs) Uh, We uh, really did not alter. I mean, if somebody looked really messy, uh, we might have suggested to tuck their shirt in or something. But no, uh, there was no makeup used. And I hosted the show for the first decade. And then I um, uh, started Bopilo's Home Again uh, in syndication with CBS the following year and did that for 18 seasons. And really, we hardly ever used makeup. My cameraman would always uh, carry a little anti shine.
2: Yeah. And
1: if somebody was looking particularly shiny and it just didn't look good on camera, he'd kind of suggest some of that. Yeah. Um, That was it. And I shot so many commercials for Craftsman Tools that, you know, I, I would be out in LA probably half a dozen times a year or on other locations. And that was in the days when all these commercial spots were shot. 35 millimeter film, and mm-hmm. so the amount of makeup they put on you was out of control. Yeah, um, and so being able to shoot my own programs, oh, uh, natural as it were, was always fun.
0: Yeah, D- does it surprise you that I mean, you're a, you're a business. You you you're the brand. You know, it's a lot like what I do as well. I'm and I've got the television show. I've got the radio shows the The speaking and everything else. And a lot of folks out there aspire to have what we have, which is, in essence, you know we're a brand of ourselves. Is, does that surprise you that you're in that position at this point?
1: Well, not anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something I set out to do um, probably, oh gosh, now eight years ago, when I first started contemplating life after producing syndicated television shows, I realized that the value of the uh, persona I had created was really as a brand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the way to really uh, not just capitalize on that, but to sort of try to perpetuate it was going to be on the web, not in the traditional media. And that's why we've been focused on, on, uh, on the website and all the social media stuff that goes along with it. He, I mean, I was very surprised when 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 Twitter first came out. I was still working with a, a staff that uh, h- I had sort of inherited, uh, and it was at that time that one of the staff members would you know just absolutely started my Twitter account without without really letting me know about it. Right, and uh, it was a woman that that uh, did a perfectly credible job, but it was a time when um, they the people that were running the website kind of uh, assumed that they could control everything forever. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to go through a great deal of transitioning there. And anyway, you know, five years out, we've got like 1.2 uh, million huge. Twitter followers. Right. And it, it's a huge part of having a media business today. Well, it's a platform. Social it's media a,
0: part it's it. a great platform for you. I mean, exactly. you know, you know I, yeah. did, I actually did start out when I was a you know Fortune 100 officer. I said, look, I'm going to go out and create a brand around myself. I'm going to do this. This is what we're going to do. And someone said, why you? I said, because I don't have anything else. You know, I don't have anybody. You know, it's me. Mm-hmm. So and and I was mm-hmm. fairly controversial and upfront and outspoken on the business issues. But you, didn't you you didn't see that as when you're running your, the syndicated TV. It sounds like you said, I, I had this TV business, and now I'm going to have this business of, of Bob Vila, you know, and I'm going to become the brand and the spokesperson and 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 create content around my own thoughts and, and, and experiences. But you separate those.
1: Well, it's it's um, it's a situation where during the years that I was producing and hosting the Home Again programs and was also a spokesman for craftsman tools, um, I was not only flat out, uh, busy, one hundred percent of the time. But I was also restricted somewhat in terms of what I could do commercially. Is that because uh, is that because it was a
0: on the PB, on the PBS side or because of no the, uh, the no, no 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 I, I, yeah.
1: just because I had uh, such a tight contract with uh, Sears Craftsman ah, okay. and okay. I I did other marketing projects and some uh, PSA stuff and the like and I've always been involved in supporting uh a lot of different nonprofit things Habitat for Humanity for example but uh it, it was a, a kind of a, a decade and a half where i was going full throttle and there were certain controls in place and once i once i stopped uh producing the syndicated shows and stopped uh being in a relationship with uh uh with Sears Roebuck mm-hmm. um the latter being as a result of uh the company being bought by uh I think
0: he's referred to as Crazy Eddie. No, um, and, he, and, and yeah, which he is. I mean, I, I've been very vocal about how he's running that. In fact, I just was in Chicago and saw like three or four CMOs from the company. I'm going, why do they have three or four CMOs? But different subject. We can go mm-hmm. back. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't need to discuss that. But some that. great
0: products. I um, mean, they got some great products. I mean, you talk about craftsmen. I'm a craftsman. I, I grew up with craftsman tools. I grew up going to Sears. And, you know, we, our, my family, that's where we shopped. We got our school clothes. Yeah. We got our appliances, oh, yeah. my dad's tools. And, you know, yeah. and, and by the way, when I just recently moved to my new place and we, we downsized, I, and my kids are out of the house, I went back. To the store and bought all new craftsman tools because I've always wanted a complete set that nobody you know, stole, like my kids or my wife. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have uh, quite a number of items that were my father's tools, and yeah. he passed away 23 yep. years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I really treasure them. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful brand, and yeah. they're still terrific it's tools. Nice to, it's nice um, to
0: use your dad's stuff, though, isn't it? You, you know, yeah, you I work have on my something.
1: my summer place, right, yeah. yeah. And uh, so anyway, I mean, trying to get back on, on track there. It, it was at that time that I had the opportunity to focus, uh, you know, entirely on what we could do with the brand on the web going forward. And so, you know, here we are today, we've got... Uh, huge numbers and we're very successful with it. So I'm very proud of it. I've got mm-hmm. a terrific team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let me,
0: I got to take a quick break. You're up in Massachusetts where you live part-time. And of course, one of my good, good sponsors and friends are Dunkin' Donuts. And you have showed us that every old house has a story and Dunkin' knows that every cup has a story. My story is that all business, whichever is it, runs on Dunkin', America runs on Dunkin'. Bob, do you, do you like coffee? you you got to be drinking coffee out in the construction <laughs> site. Uh-huh.
1: Yes, absolutely. And Duncan was my go-to place when I lived on, um, I guess, in, in uh, the early 90s when we were producing the Home Again show, we were based in a little town on Cape Cod.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, and we had uh, a Dunkin' Donuts half a mile away. Yeah, well, and again, Bob got Rosenberg. On yeah, go ahead. There's a fellow. There's a fellow who's a friend and neighbor of mine uh, in the summer, uh, on Martha's Vineyard. uh, Bob Rosenberg, who is a member of the family that founded that company. Oh, really?
0: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. That's his father. Up in the Northeast, you know, they got one on every corner. So it's it's a little less for some of us. I have to actually bring it home to South Dakota because they don't have one here in in South Dakota yet. But we're we're working on it. We're working on it. So what? What? um, I, I just I'm just so fascinated with the business of what you're doing and how you're doing it. Is most of the business that you're getting today coming then off the web? Is that where most of the business is at?
1: Well, we're an advertiser-supported uh, website, mm-hmm. so um, most of what you see are national brands that want the adjacency to our content. Sure. And uh, so there's you know a huge variety of. Them.
0: Would you, you're still getting I would imagine some residuals back off of the syndicated stuff though too right?
1: Well you know the the problem with the syndicated shows was that they were not done in high definition and uh, that limits the, the the marketability of it. yeah I own the content the content is digitized and so all of the programs that I uh, that I own and there's uh, hundreds and hundreds yeah. of segments. All of them are on BobBilla.com. Yeah, so you, so you can just, put, you know, put them click on Bob yeah. on TV. Yeah,
0: yeah. On digital, which is where everybody's going now anyway to watch. I mean, we're doing over-the-top television on the stuff that I'm doing for uh, the C-suite television. Same thing. And yes. you know that's that's where the people are. You got to go where the folks are. Wh- right. What what's been the biggest piece of advice? You know, because you, you've been running the business of you and the business of the shows. And you know, doing all these restorations and everything that you've done, what's what advice do you give to people who are starting their own business?
1: Well, I think that the 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 the, the concept of focus is the, the most important thing. Keeping focused on um, what you are, what you represent, and what you want to communicate, as opposed to uh, creating too too many tangential things Mm -hmm. going off in too many different directions. And we um, tried to always keep the content sort of mainstream, entertaining, but things that people could relate to. I mean, occasionally we would get involved in a project that was more aspirational or fantasy, but staying focused on mainstream stories that, uh, that we produced, which, you know, all sorts of people could relate to um, was, I think, always one of the key things that, that I tried to keep in mind.
0: Yeah. I like to go to the my fans and, and friends out in social media, which I'm sure you do, too, uh, given the fact that you have over a million Twitter followers. And I ask them questions that they would like to ask you because I get a chance to talk to you know guys like you. You know, you and I both get a chance to talk to people. this last week I've talked to, you know, Steve Forbes and Christy Hefner and uh, uh, General Clark, you know, a couple presidential candidates. Uh, Mary Turner Mm -hmm. wrote in and said, what new home products do you see in the future that will provide the biggest impact in the
1: home? Wirelessness, battery power. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been asked that question many, many times. And I think that the technologies that are being developed in terms of power and power use um, are really terrific, um, and we, we all are so tied to all our different devices now. And obviously, I'm sitting here on a wireless phone, uh, but the whole concept of wirelessness in the home, I think is something that's going to be very, very important. Uh, in this coming decade. And the other thing that I'm excited about is the whole business of uh, energy use Mm -hmm. and energy generation and battery storage in in the individual dwelling units.
0: Yeah, from solar power or wind power, depending on what you want to use, or both. You know, and I, yeah. I, you talk about the Internet of Things. It, it's really going to be huge. We don't. I don't even think we can comprehend all the things we're going to see. I, for instance, in my own home in in South Dakota and in New York as well. I've got both. I put actually put drop cameras everywhere, you know. And and I like to watch. I can have pro- cameras on my property. I have cameras in various places around the house, so I can check in from time to time when I'm on the road, and I can see what's going on out there.
1: Which I think, is yeah, good. no, that's very important, with uh, especially with young families. I, I've got a uh, son and daughter-in-law who have a five-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and I was amazed how quickly and naturally they depended on this kind of device as part of parenting.
0: Oh, you had to be able to check up on the kids too. Yeah, I and yeah. I, I actually put them in my offices. So that I have remote offices, so I can actually, you know you know how you, when you're in, a, in an office area and you can take a look up and see across all of the various uh, cubicles or whatever, hey, is so-and-so at their desk? That's my way of being mm-hmm. able to do it. So when I'm in New York, I can look in South Dakota and see, hey, who's at their desk? Now I can give them a call or buzz them or text them, and I do a lot of that kind of activity. And I, I don't know, I, to me, it's, I find it really helpful.
1: What, what, Yeah, no, the technology is key
0: yeah what do you what do you think on in terms of the the solar power is it going to get better and better for us?
1: well the the the, uh, the photovoltaic process has continued to uh, become more and more affordable. There's no doubt about that. and I think what we haven't seen is this really uh, uh, industry uh, figuring out how to integrate the photovoltaics into the basic skin of a house. I mean ten or fifteen years ago they were putting uh products out that were essentially roof shingles that had photovoltaic capabilities they didn't catch on and they were ugly as sin
2: yeah
1: uh, and the traditional photovoltaic panels um uh, are still pretty much the main uh the main way of creating a photovoltaic array to generate your own electricity there are newer panels that can be put on flat roofed houses uh that are almost like rollout mats, and they're not visible. But as long as you have to depend on things that are visible and that are ugly, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a deterrent to people using them. So I think that the industry does have to come up with the kind of products that look like mainstream house roof or skin yeah. that has photovoltaic uh, uh, capabilities. Yeah, even but on, I think on the
0: it, walls or even maybe in the tiles or or shingles or, or some version of that. I don't... You know, exactly,
1: I'm, yeah, don't know. or on the paint mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean, the painting industry has come up with uh, uh, alternative materials that provide insulating capacity. And so these technologies, that, for example, comes from uh, space-age technologies, uh, the types of uh, materials that were used to insulate the bottom of the space shuttle so that it wouldn't burn up when it came back into the atmosphere. Yeah. And those are basically ceramic-based products that have been incorporated incorporated into, into paints. One of our most popular uh, content segments is about taking old shipping containers and turning them into housing. And we get tons of hits on that particular story. And the one of the, the technologies that was applied there, when you take two or three or four shipping containers and... You line them all up, and you cut the holes in them, and you weld them together, and you put a roof on them. They could get very, very hot, especially the, the ones that we were focused on, which were down in St. Petersburg, Florida. The paint material that was sprayed on is exactly the same technology that I was just talking about that was used on the space shuttle so that it provides a very you know, effective insulating factor. Yeah. Uh, to make these, house com- these houses comfortable.
0: Yeah, it's a phenomenal what they're building. What a hey, Cheryl Brown Majisi asked me, and I, I thought this was a pretty good question. What was the biggest injury you ever had while on the job, personally?
1: Well, I wasn't working yesterday when I sprained my foot.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. I, you told me about that earlier. I, <laughs>
1: We're both I, I, injured I'm at doing, this point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm keeping my foot elevated yeah. today, and I'm in New York. Uh, which is a walking city, and I love to walk yeah. everywhere. You, you know, you, you can go anywhere in New York, and, and it's wonderful. But, and and everybody, uh, no, by I mean, the way,
0: everybody does walk in New York, don't they? I mean, I'm, we have a place in New York. We walk everywhere. And I, sure. But, but when I'm back in South Dakota, I, I wouldn't walk that far. I wouldn't do that. I mean,
1: just, it's crazy. that When yeah, I'm there, I do it. Not but
2: unless not every, you're, Yeah.
1: It's recreational if you're out in the country. Yeah. And here it's a necessity. But, no, uh, getting back to her question – I had a piece of wood kick back on a a table saw early in my career um, and I was careless and it hit me above the eye and I got uh, kind of a a little compression uh, scar uh, right at the eyebrow. And that was many years ago. I bet you that was uh, probably 35 years ago at least. Um, I have been fortunate. I've got all my digits and uh, you know, the the fact that I was involved with tools all my life doesn't mean that I was really doing 40 or 60 hours a week working with tools. When I was uh, first hosting this old house, I was running a contracting business, but I was the GC. I was the the business guy, sometimes hands-on, sometimes not. And as my career progressed, I got more and more involved in uh, speculative real estate ventures, buying brownstones in Boston's Back Bay and converting them, and renovating them and selling them as condominiums and that sort of thing. And uh, so I guess I juggled two careers for at least two decades. Yeah. And uh, it kept the injuries down. What
0: was the biggest mistake you made in business?
1: Oh, probably uh, selling short a couple of times mm-hmm. in terms of uh, real estate projects that I, I took, uh, I, I put back on the market that I should have held on to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking at, at uh, you're just using dollars as the measure, uh, you, you never know exactly whether it's really the best time. And you look at the potential profit and you say, I'm going to take the profit. And you don't realize that 10 years later, the profit would have been 10 times bigger. And so yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: you, at know, the you time, make it those good. mistakes. Yeah, but at the time yeah. it was good. I mean, it wasn't a mistake then, was it? Unless well, you, you, you sold them short. Then no,
1: it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a mistake then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think in the in the in the world of uh, you know the, the the media world. No, I was going to say that in in the world of business, when you're running um, a media uh, business that's based on your own name and, and image and your brand, um, you have to keep tight control of it. You you can't delegate too much control of it, uh, because if you have the wrong players involved, they, uh, they're they likely to take too much control. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be careful of that, I think.
0: Would you re- What would you redo if you had a chance to redo something in the business? You said, you know, I did that, now looking back over it, I would have done it differently or faster or quicker. or What, what would it have been and why?
1: Um, I think that I would have located the the business uh, differently. I think that I would have staffed it differently early on, and I think I would have had more of a presence in New York than I did.
0: And that for the media side of it? Uh,
1: not just for the media side of it, but also in terms of the uh the the available talent yeah. uh in terms of production etc.
0: Mm-hmm. And that you're talking about more on the TV production side or are you talking more on the Well,
1: I side? mean I was very fortunate to have one individual uh working with me since she practically got out of college um who is now uh, a very successful producer um with uh, PBS uh but she was you know line producer on the syndicated programs and became executive producer. But just in terms of the development of the website and everything else, it wasn't until five years ago that I took control of the website and really was very fortunate to find uh, a woman, Harvard MBA, 15 years out, who is um, terrific. Mm -hmm. And to bring together a a crew of people that are all in and around New York who are young and really, really dedicated and fantastically bright and it's also a function of the time because you know the the kinds of people that are more available today this new generation is different from the generation uh before and so is the technology yeah they're much more accustomed to it What, what what what
0: prompted you to say hey look i need to take this back over i really need to get into this and do it myself You know, it sounded like you kind of had a hands-off, and then like five years ago, there was some epiphany that said, I got to do this.
1: Well, it was a a moment when we no longer were creating new television programming. And the website was totally dependent on the content Mm -hmm. that was being created by the television programming. And when that stopped, all of a sudden, the website had to continue creating new content on its own and in order to do that you had to really bring aboard a whole bunch of really talented people and it's not to say that the people that had been on there before were not talented but it's just that we needed a new crop and doing it from a location uh on cape cod and with a boston office was not the same as being in the heart of the media world which is new york city Mm -hmm. um So all those changes had to be done. And so it was at that time that I basically had to separate myself from the partner who had really spearheaded it as long as I was producing the content. right? And, uh, you know, he had the opportunity to join me in my vision and uh, he chose not to. And so I'm, you know, I'm happy that things have worked out the way they have, because when you're running a business that's built, uh, built on on one individual's personality your brand if you want to call it that um it's you know it's it's something that you really have to exert uh, a lot of control over and uh it's a lot easier to do that if you- have that control yourself.
0: Yeah, and, and and are leading and stepping out in front. And, it, you, sometime, and sometimes, as you well have said, you, you have to shift the business model. And the circumstances yeah. say that you know it d- doesn't mean it's right or it's wrong, or you got to feel bad about it. You know, uh, you know, it's like I made the change to say, look, I don't know that I want to do all this broadcast. I'd really like to spearhead the things online. And you're and you have to move
1: quickly. Yeah. I mean, everything goes so fast. I mean, we're working on our mobile. Uh, technology right now, and hopefully by the middle of the summer, we'll have the entire com uh, world available on, on mobile devices, but you don't just do that by pushing a button, you do that by having uh, a lot of talented people working on creating the technology. Yeah,
0: two more, uh, two more home questions because I know these folks are good. They're good. They're good fans of yours and good fans of mine. Linda Anita Palmer says, "Are the are the laminate floorings currently on the market safe to be in homes?" It seems like a no
1: The laminate floors.
0: Yeah, laminate floorings currently on the market safe to be in homes.
1: It's uh, a very touchy area, and if you followed the the, uh, uh, you know, you know the 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 stories that have been uh, out in the media about different products, you know that the Chinese, uh, who invariably end up being the bad guys, mm-hmm. are indeed the bad guys in many, yeah. many situations. So I think that you have to be very careful with what you're selecting. Yeah. Um, very often it's based on price point. When when early laminates were still, were really coming into the market 20, 25 years ago, uh, the Swedes Uh, were producing some terrific products. And they still are. Mm -hmm. And so the price points are a little bit higher. But um, some of the products that are made in Sweden, for example, and a number of other places, are um, not just of a high quality, but they are trustworthy. And we've found that a lot of the products that the Chinese make, they will print a label that says they meet XYZ requirements, but in fact they're lying. Yeah. And so you have to be very careful with that. Well, Having no- said all that, uh, yeah. I I have you know I have a, a home in Florida where I have bamboo flooring in some of the uh, bedrooms, a couple of bedrooms that were added about ten years ago. I have uh, uh, nothing but you know good results with them. But again, if you're living in a small house and you're going to do the whole house in a, uh, a laminated product, I would urge you to do your homework really, really assiduously. Yeah.
0: Well, and you get, you know, there's the old adage, you get what you pay for. It Just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's the best. So... Um, that's, there there's something to that as well. Tom Stridek, he's a buddy of mine, known him for years, and he's in the, the business. He's in the water and heating business, so I'm not surprised by this question. Should all homes require a heat recovery ventilation system when they're built?
1: Uh, well, I think the way the federal government has approached these issues about energy conservation is more general And I don't think it makes sense for those requirements to become so specific that uh, new home building has to be forced uh, into using certain technologies. I guess if you look at the requirements for insulating a house, that's pretty good. If you look at the situation with HVAC, uh, it's a pretty broad spectrum. You have so many different options. And I think, again, insulating is one of the keys. Um, Being able to recover energy, uh, recover BTUs, I think is an amazing uh, concept and technology that people should be aware of and that the building industry should be more and more aware of. I mean, I remember focusing 15 or 20 years ago on a product when we were building a house up in Pucci, Vermont, on a product that was basically copper piping that was recovering VPUs from wastewater. I mean, we're all taking a hot shower, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And a lot of DPUs are going down that drain, and there's technology for recovering some of those BPUs and keeping them in in the house and putting them to use again. Uh, so generally, yes. Um, should the government require it? I don't think so. Yeah.
0: All right. This is the time for some rapid fire. As we wind things down, I want to ask a couple of different questions. Oh, before I got to be able to talk about Liberty Tax. They're on board with all business. Liberty is the fastest growing retail tax preparation firm with over 4,000 offices across North America. Hey, speaking about home improvements, can you take a home deduction for your business on your taxes? I don't know. Check with Liberty Tax. Okay. Rapid fire, Bob. Here we go. What tool always stays in your toolbox?
1: My thirty-odd year old S Wing hammer.
0: Ah, okay. And when when I when I think of shirts, plaid or solid?
1: I was known for plaid shirts, <laughs> yes. but I wear solids most of the time now for stripes.
0: Well why did you did you just decide back then that was just what you liked and that's what you wore?
1: I loved plaid shirts. I still have a lot of them, and and I wear them uh, occasionally. Um, And, you know, I used to just buy them as as my favorite kind of look. And uh, down vests were just becoming available back then in uh in the 70s and yeah. i guess that just became a trademark
0: book i still like vest i wear vests all the time my wife gets mad at so me all the time i love them i i have uh, different kinds I, uh, I like the old down ones. i remember those i used to wear those too and and hiking boots back then is what i used to wear
1: <laughs> hey what's your favorite gadget um i'm talking on it right now yeah, I, <laughs> yeah it is i just it? got the i just yeah i've just moved up uh uh, to the newest version of the iPhone. Yeah, you, the, you uh, got the plus or the or the. Or I just, did not get the plus. I've no, got the plus. I, I, my son, my son got the plus, and he regretted it. Do you like it? No, I love it. I I I, I yeah. couldn't
0: think about going. I yeah. like big. I'm I like big. Right, well, um, let me ask you this one: solar power or wind power?
1: Both of you can accommodate them. Yeah. Wind power, I think, is more difficult to accommodate. Yeah. And it can be more controversial. If you live in the country uh, and you've got enough space around you, uh, it might make a lot of sense, but you still might be upsetting neighbors. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, solar power, I just think, is is, uh, ultimately more user-friendly. How about uh, Norm,
0: your your (laughs) former uh, sidekick on the show? Are you guys still friends?
1: Everybody asks that. I, I can't remember... Um, when I last saw him, I think I bumped into him on a plane or something. Um, we were, we, you know, we had a good rapport mm-hmm. on camera, but we off camera, we, we lived a hundred miles apart Yeah, and but both, both physically,
0: physically, as well as like intellectually or, you know, in terms of personalities or what, when you say a hundred miles away, did you actually live a hundred miles away?
1: Yes, literally. Oh, okay.
0: oh literally. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, he commuted west, and I commuted southeast. Yeah. Uh, when when we were in Boston production, and so no, he's done an admirable job of holding together that whole franchise for public television. Yeah. Because uh, the, the the approach that was taken after I left was not to create any kind of personality. I mean PBS. <laughs> Sorry about
0: that. That's okay. That's great. That's, that's life, man. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's called Roxy, and uh, she's a
1: two-year-old Labradoodle. So, uh, yeah. Would, yeah,
0: you know, he's done it. I think when I look at Norm and what he's done in terms of the franchise after you left, it's it's not the same, Bob. I mean, there, there are certain personalities that just take that on, and you're one of those that have done a great job. and And the fact that you've gone from – Television property, television properties shows that you have a real connection. And I think there's certain people who just have that connection with people. And you're one of those those one of those trusted individuals that you've built and they've built up a great brand. And I want to give you a chance to plug something. Shamelessly plug anything you'd like to plug because you've just been great and there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I don't I can't give you a cup of Dunkin' coffee right now, but at least I can do is give you a plug. So what would you like to plug today?
1: Well, I've already plugged Bobvila.com. Yeah, that's okay. And I've already, plugged, I've already plugged my Finca Lihia and Hemingway project. So I think I'd like to plug Habitat for Humanity. Awesome. Habitat's been around for a very long time. And Habitat is something that is kind of, it regenerates itself in communities all over the country. And we're lucky to have Jimmy Carter still with us. Oh, yeah. And I just would like to give them a shout
0: out. You got it. So if you get a chance, let's get out there, do something, help your fellow man. Bob, it's been a pleasure. Rest the foot. I hope it gets better. And, uh, yeah, it's time
1: for the ice pack. Thank the, you so hey, much.
0: All right. Cheers, my friend. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Brought to you by Fortinet. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports,
0: tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you behind
1: the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts all business, brought to you
2: by Fortunet.
0: Hey, every single week uh, as I do the show, I always like to end the show with a little bit of what did I learn from my guest. And here's what I learned. Here's a guy that left one of the most iconic shows, This Old House, uh, was on PBS, and yet even though the show went on after him, it wasn't the same. Yet Bob went on to do a number of different shows, and I can't even you know, list them all, but a number of shows that we've all seen him on. You know, I would kind of consider him the father of reality TV because he was bringing regular Joes in, talking about you know, constructing on houses or reconstructing or building on houses and doing projects around the house, and he made it interesting, and he was just one of those trusted people. And I think there's something about that, about being authentic and being real. And then, you know what, as I was thinking about, as I was listening to him and we were talking and I actually wrote it down, remember that old adage about construction, measure twice, cut once? I was reminded of that. So he helped prompt that. So sometimes when you're talking to people, it prompts other things that you want to remember and think about. And that was one of them. Hey, so think about this, you know, listen to this Once, but maybe send it off to two people twice. I need some friends. I want more friends. Make sure you send it out to other people. Let them know. It was a pleasure to have you guys listening this week and tune in uh, next week and every single week with All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on Play.it.